Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Today I want to preach on a subject called a one-mile journey in a half-mile boat. A one-mile journey in a half-mile boat. Ever thought you could start something and then realize this wasn't such a good idea? (laughs) Happens a lot in my life and in my mind. (laughs) Miscalculating your capacity to do something. There are videos I love to watch funny videos and especially with the girls but watching people who in their mind they thought they could jump a ramp on their bike only to realize they've severely miscalculated the distance or people trying to run and jump over a creek or some effort and they realize they've miscalculated Some of the worst ones to watch, though, are those who are trying to lift weights and realize they've miscalculated the weight that they're lifting. A few years ago, I think it was on my birthday, Anthony Henson and I thought we could make it to a gas station in time. It was a miscalculation. Yes, many times. Now, I'm sure you have some good stories of some miscalculations. But, unfortunately, miscalculations aren't always funny. Several years ago, I read a story about some boys who found a boat after a party in New York City and decided to take the boat across the rough waters to a place called Heart Island in Long Island Sound. The four boys were musicians, and they were fascinated by ghost stories that were told about this Heart Island. The trip was only one mile from where they found this boat, and Heart Island was just across the way. And so, with their guitars in tow, they started off. But soon, a 911 call came into the New York City emergency hotline, a call from boys who said that they were taking in water. And soon, the line went dead, and the 911 operator could not track them where the call came from. 14 hours later, their bodies were found and the boat was capsized. It's a tragic story. There are different opinions about why it happened. The sad reality is this. They were on a one-mile journey in a half-mile boat. They were on a one-mile journey. 
with a half-mile boat. Where they wanted to go did not match what they had to travel in to get there. They simply were trying to get somewhere that their vessel and preparation could not take them. And I find this story heartbreaking and challenging because it raises some questions for me about my destination in life and what is carrying me there. I'm not sure what you consider your destination in life. I don't know what you think it's going to be like when you get there. But I am reminded this week that it is appointed unto man once to die. Of all the places I'm going and pursuing, of all the places that I'm reaching for, can I challenge somebody today to consider your destination in eternity? May I add, I'm not just interested in eternity as this simple idea, but I want to tell you, I want to go to heaven. That's where I want to go. And if heaven is the destination, I have to ask myself, what's carrying me there? Am I in something that is going to get me there? What is carrying me through this life? Is it a half-mile boat that's carrying me for a mile journey? Let me get more specific. Am I counting on my money to carry me to heaven? Am I counting on my job quality to get me to heaven? Am I counting on my professional success to get me to heaven? Because it's quite a journey. It's quite a journey, a destination worth reaching for. But what's carrying me there? And I'd like to say that my destination someday is to retire. I do hope to retire someday. Maybe sooner rather than later, some of you would hope for that. But no, I'm teasing. But someday I hope to retire. But that's not my destination. That's a landmark on the journey. I hope someday to to have some amazing anniversaries and 50-year anniversaries with my wife, but that's not my destination. I may have some goals in my life, but I want to help somebody today. That's not my destination, and I pray it's not your destination. My destination today, my goal, I realize, is heaven. And it's a journey. And it's not just going to happen just because But something's going to carry me there. Something's going to take me there. And am I counting on a relationship to carry me to heaven? 
Am I counting on my money to carry me to heaven? Am I counting on my professional success to carry me to heaven? I think it's a valid question. Is it how do I have? Am I in what it takes to get me to heaven? When you consider the boat that Noah built, I would imagine that people thought that's overkill. That's, is that really necessary? Number one, it's never rained before. And what have you ever seen? What have you ever seen that this is necessary? What have you ever experienced in your life, Noah, where this boat is necessary to get you through? You've ever been down to the ark in Kentucky? Who knew Noah landed the ark in Kentucky? But he did. What a blessing for us in Cincinnati that Noah landed there. It's massive. Even if Noah parked it there, it's still overkill for anything that we see around us. Why would you need all of that? It's never rained. We have never seen anything that would require that type of commitment. But oh, how foolish they were. Because God was not going to allow Noah to prepare something that wasn't sufficient to carry him where he needed to go. God had Noah prepare a one-mile boat for a one-mile journey. God understood what the journey would take. And can I tell you today, what God asks of us sometimes seems more than necessary in the present view. Why is all of this necessary? Why should we come to church on Sundays? Why should we live out our lives this way? Why would God cause us or, or ask us to commit to so much? Why would God ask me to surrender? Why would God ask me to repent? Why would God ask me to be baptized in his name? Why would God uh, ask me to, to allow his spirit to overtake me? Do I really need all of this? Do I really need to live righteously in this world? But here's what I propose to you today. Because God knows the end from the beginning. And he knows what's coming. And he's preparing us not just for now, but for what is to come. And so 1 Peter chapter 3, he tells us who formerly were disobedient. When once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared. They were doing whatever they wanted to do while it was being prepared. In which a few, that is eight souls, were saved 
through water. That preparation allowed Noah to take on and be able to handle what was to come. And in the writer Peter, he says, there is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I wish I could tell you today and be confident to tell you that it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter that we all end up in the same place. But I don't feel comfortable preaching to you like that today when I read the passages that say that we need to be baptized. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That scriptures tell us that we need to do something about our lives. That if we're going to get carried into that amazing place called heaven, that we're going to have to get in something to get there. This life and what you're doing on your own and I'm doing on my own is not going to get me to the destination. I need something else. I need something that can carry me through the tough times and the dark times. Oh, hallelujah. So I want to help somebody today and tell you there is a way for you to make the destination that God has prepared a way for us to overcome. God has constantly shown us in his word that there is nothing that can stop him from overcoming evil. There's nothing that can overcome God in what he is doing. When we look at the very first story, Adam and Eve failed, but he said, I'm going to pick you up. And he said, there's consequences to what you've done, but I haven't given up on you yet. I'm going to help you overcome. To Moses and the children of Israel, as they grumbled and complained, he said, I'm not going to give up on you. And David, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Quote it with me now. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's keep going. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall fall. Follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How am I going to get there? How am I going to get there? I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to be in the house. It's going to carry me. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And even in the prophecies of the Old Testament, although they're full of judgment and wrath, they were full of different things, but the prophets would prophesy in Isaiah 6-1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up in the train of his robe, filled the temple. Even in the dark times, he said, I can see that God is victorious. Jeremiah would say in the face of a nation who lost its 
way he would say that you can still turn back to God. The three Hebrew children in the face of a boss who was going to kill them. God said, I'll make a way out for you. It was Daniel in the midst of the lions and the raging lions uh, that he said, God said, I'm going to deliver you. I can carry you through any dark time. I can carry you through any desperate time. I can carry you through any confusing time. Oh, hallelujah. And the apostles in the early church knew that God would be victorious. And so Paul would say, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not on us. Now here's what he says. We are hard pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I don't know what you're counting on to carry you through, but I'm counting on the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And it would be John who was on that island, isolated from any sign of victory, any sign of progress, anything that, he, that looked like uh, there was hope. Uh, but he saw and he wrote, uh, a war broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. Uh, but they did not prevail. They did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. Uh, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who de deceives the whole world he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast with him and then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And it says, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come to you having great wrath because he knows he has a short time. I'm telling you today, it does not matter what happens in this world. It does not matter what Satan tries to bring against us. I'm telling you today, Jesus Christ, will prevail and the only way for us to prevail is to be in Christ oh hallelujah oh hallelujah oh hallelujah the Bible says therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Behold, all things have become new. Behold, there's freedom when you are in Christ. How are we going to prevail in this world? We're going to prevail because we're in Christ. And so, he said, not just in Christ. 
And Jesus told Peter, I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is what's going to help carry us to our destination. Through every conceivable circumstance, the church just keeps on moving. It keeps on surviving. History tells us that the hell tried to stop the church through every way and every facet it could. But can I remind you today that persecution could not stop the church. The death of the apostles could not stop the church. False doctrine could not stop the church. War could not stop the church. Councils couldn't stop the church. Thrones and dominions couldn't stop the church. Delusion couldn't stop the church. Sickness couldn't stop the church. Gossiping and lying couldn't stop the church. And can I tell you, the death of a church leader, a pastor, or a saint uh, won't stop the church. uh, But the gates of hell are not going to prevail because Christ uh, is the chief cornerstone. Oh, hallelujah. Think about this. The church has never ceased to operate in 2,000 years. It has went through difficult times. It has been plagued by confusion and false doctrine. But I tell you today that if in a hundred years the Lord tarries, the church will still be alive and well. The gospel will continue to be preached. People will still be baptized in his name and be filled with his spirit. Because the church has been and always will be unshakable, undeniable, and unstoppable. Why? Because Christ is holding up the church. Oh, hallelujah. I tell you today, as we look to the future of God's plans in our lives, in the future of this church, we have To have confidence today, as I mentioned, let me tell you a few things, a few other things that won't stop the church. Culture won't stop the church. Government systems won't stop the church. A dreadful economy or a prosperous economy won't stop the church. Threats aren't going to stop it. A diagnosis is not going to stop it. A society set on perversion is not going to stop the church. The media won't stop the church. Lobbyists in Washington are not going to stop the church. Intimidation and tragedy won't stop the church. An anti-Christian educational system won't stop the church. And COVID is not going to stop the church. It's rather tempting to give my opinion at times on the state of politics. And it's undoubtedly at the forefront of consciousness in our nation. 
And I certainly have my opinion. Most likely you won't hear it. But what I understand today is that we don't prevail because a political ideology prevails. The church isn't successful because a political party wins. The church doesn't win because our preferred political representative is elected or appointed or in office. We prevail. We win because Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the creator. He's the ruler. He's the master. He's the savior. He's the Messiah. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. Oh, hallelujah. And let me tell you, we're unified. This body, this church, as long as I'm the pastor here, we're unified around one thing. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ. We stand at the same level in need of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. We think that our culture is divided by politics. We are nowhere close to the toxic political environment of the early church. The Jews hated the Greeks. The women were oppressed. Slavery was rampant. And so Paul said, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. 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 I'm not for rewriting scripture. But let me give you a little other way to write this scripture. There is neither Republican nor Democrat. There is neither lower class nor upper class. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Today, what's going to carry me to heaven is not a political party. It's not going to be a government system. It's not going to be the bank account or the economy. What's going to carry me to heaven is Jesus Christ and me being in Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can stand with me. I want somebody to recognize who's carrying us. Who's got this? Uh, Who's controlling this? If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, uh, he is a new creation. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance and saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places. Where was it? Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named. If you can diagnose it, there's a name above all names. If you can label the sin, there's a name above all names. 
But he said, not just in this life, uh, not in this age only, but also in the age which is to come. And what did he say about Christ? Uh, he put all things uh, under his feet uh, and gave him to be the head uh, over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. I realize today that if I want to be carried over the storm and the waves of this world, I need more than a half a mile boat. Some boat I found on the cultural shorelines. Some boat I found on the government shorelines. Some boat I found on the internet and Facebook. No, I need a boat that's going to carry me. I got to get in something that can weather the storm. And so I want to tell you today, I want to encourage somebody today. You win when you're in the church. The church is the one mile boat for the one mile journey. The church is the one-mile boat for the one-mile journey. When you talk about Noah, I don't think they had Febreze there. <laughs> Thank God the Creation Museum and Noah's Ark, they cleaned it up a little bit after it parked. But the ark stinks. The ark's a mess. There were only eight people on the boat. <laughs> I thank God for Drew. Thank God for Caitlin. My brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws all around the world. God love them all. But family is tough. I guarantee you that boat wasn't big enough for eight people. Everybody say amen. amen. I know I'm on the boulevard today. The church is a messy place. Can I say it like this? It stinks sometimes. I get on your nerves. I don't respond the way I should. I don't answer my call when everybody calls all the time. I got work to do. It's messy. People get sideways and whatever. But can I tell you, the church is still the best place to be. Amen. The church is still the best place you could ever be. <clears throat> Young moms and dads, the church is not a fail-safe. If you bring your kid to every event and you bring them to every service, it does not guarantee that everything works out just perfect. But I'm telling you, it's the best place you could put your kid to put them in the church, to, to put them in environments where they can hear the word of God and experience the love of God. And even if they walk away, even if they try some things, I tell you what, what's beautiful about the church is we're still here. We're going to keep opening the doors. And when you come back, we're going to accept you like you never left. 
Oh, hallelujah. The church is the best place you could put your life. So I want to pray for you today. I don't know what kind of storm you're in. But I feel today some of you are paddling a a boat. You're paddling, you're taking on water, and you're going, what in the world? What's going to happen? I'm telling you, you need to get in the only boat that's going to survive this mess. And it's the church. I want to pray for you, Lord God, right now. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we can have confidence in you today. We can have confidence, God, in what you did on the cross where you made a way. You brought mercy where mercy wasn't deserved. Lord, you brought grace and you brought help where it wasn't deserved. Lord, and I'm praying today for someone under the sound of my voice. They're trying all kinds of other things uh, to make it through the storm. They're trying all kinds of other things uh, to survive. Uh, They're looking for answers uh, in so many ways uh, for what's going on, trying to provide, Lord, for their family, trying to figure out how they're going to make it. But, Lord, I'm I'm praying today that they would seek confidence, uh, God, in placing their lives in your hands uh, and in doing so. They place their lives in the church, uh, Lord, where it will not sink, uh, it will not falter, it will not sink at all, Lord, but it will weather the storm. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, Thanks for listening.